0: Hello, welcome to the Voices Heard Lives Empowered podcast, brought to you by POWER. It is Race Equality Week, a UK-wide initiative that brings together organisations and individuals to address the barriers facing race equality in the workplace. In this episode, we will talk to Rihanna Ebankbab, an independent advocate and chair of the POWER's Anti-Racism Network Group, about race equality, the work being done to affect change and what organisations can do to begin their journey to race equality. I hope you find it useful and enjoy Hello Rihanna, how are you? How are you? I'm very good, thank you. Race Equality Week, what is it and why is it important?
1: Okay, so Race Equality Matters Week. It's so important because this is the first and only UK Race Awareness Week. The reason why it's important is because it's never been done before and we have many, many other awareness weeks for mental health. For Carers Week, we have other awareness days as well. Like this week is also the start of Children's Mental Health Awareness Week, but we don't have anything specific to race. And this is something that has been an ongoing issue. Racism is here, you know, it's not something that we can deny. And this just brings a focus around what can be done better from an organisational point of view, as well as, you know, the individuals that work within the organisation, but what can be done collectively to support awareness around racism, how to stamp out racism. There's going to be a lot of tips and tools on how you can support your organisation through that process as well. It's just something that I strongly, strongly feel that is needed and necessary and it's come at a very right time.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think this issue has been raised even more so by the coverage in the media of recent times. How do you feel racism today affects everyday people in their everyday lives?
1: Uh, There's a number of ways, in all honesty. The ones that I I can honestly say are the most prevalent are things around microaggressions. And it's more about the structures that are put in place that would be considered as discriminatory. So a lot of the time people think racism is name-calling and, you know, racial slurs. And don't get me wrong, that is also racism, but that's more overt. And when you're looking at covert racism, it's very difficult to pinpoint and differentiate between prejudice, discrimination, actual power and privilege around it as well. So looking at the issue of racism as a whole, the reason why, again, I think this, this week is so important because it gives people the knowledge around the different forms of racism that people can experience on their day-to-day life. Uh, That could be something, for example, a particular practice within a culture of an organisation that would be deemed as discriminatory or even particular comments or banter that people would say, Okay, it's just a few jokes, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's racist. That would still be considered as racist. So it's looking at the full spectrum because I really do feel that when it comes down to the minute and minuscule actions of racism, it can lead to long term aggressive incidences that, you know, it's not only from race against race, that it then also turns into internalized racism as well. And that's where I believe the long term effects and issues can stem from within a culture as well. What
0: is safe space?
1: oh safe space. So this one was quite interesting because this has been pushed by Mental Health Foundation England and They are providing you with a a really great toolkit and guide to look at how to create psychologically informed spaces to have these difficult conversations. Now, again, these issues of racism have been always here, but they've not always been able to be spoken about. So something that I find really important is that people are able to feel comfortable and able to open up and have these conversations with their members of staff, or peers, colleagues, and senior members of staff as well. But not only that, Safe Spaces creates a guide on how you can present certain issues to the people that can make the changes, and that's the people from the top. And something that Safe Space also provides you with is a contract of psychological safety, where, again, all parties that are attending and involving themselves in Safe Space, it's about creating that commitment and accountability to the process, but also accepting vulnerability that you're going to hear uncomfortable things, whether it is through your own eyes or through the lens of other people. It's actually making the commitment to listen and to learn and to affect change.
0: With this complicated issue, you you need to have that honest conversation, Uh don't you? And have the space to do that. Absolutely. What is the big promise?
1: Ah, The big promise... So this one is quite interesting because you see how a lot of the time we are able to go out and campaign certain initiatives and go forward, for example, go to parliament or put forward a PR presentation to raise certain awareness. Where we've been in lockdown for like forever, we've not been able to do that. So something that I feel that the big promise has actually been able to do is a virtual campaign to show people's solidarity for the process. So whether you're an individual making a promise and a pledge, or you're an organisation, make an outward statement to state that you are engaged in the process of anti-racist practice and actions, but it also creates a momentum for continuing the conversation. So it's not just a promise. It also comes forward with some charters. You're able to keep the commitments movable so that way you can continue doing that work.
0: Well, that brings me on to the race code. Could you tell me a bit more about the race code, what it means and what's its purpose?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the race code, I feel like I've been singing about it for ages, <laughs> but the race code, it was first published last year and this initially is by Dr. Carl George. However, he's come together with a F- New contributors that I would honestly say are absolutely amazing. It develops the race code based on the thousands of recommendations that have been put forward previously, such as the Parker Review, and it compiled to 200 recommendations in all. Now, the severity of each action is what kind of was lost in translation. For example, there may have been recommendations for low-level implementation, and a complete overhaul now companies and organizations are very much confused on how to start the foot on actually making changes to their company so the race code is a sequential blueprint and it's full of apply explain and report it's designed to be split up into four principles of reporting actions composition and education and the recommendations fall into those four principles where you're able to apply them no matter the level of education that you have or the size of your organization or the sector that your organization is in it's you're able to apply the race code in in any way shape or form uh, what i do like about it is that not only it's gone under review but they've given a lot of information about how to apply it as well so there was training that was delivered last week wednesday just before we had gone forward for our presentation to the board which was very helpful, to say the least, because it was able to speak about not just the surface level interventions such as, you know, writing a statement or making a pledge. It's actually looking at, right, how can we do reverse mentoring? How can we invest in ethnic groups? That is what the race code is about. It's pulling together all the principles, all the recommendations together, because, again, a lot of these actions have been done before. There's no point in doing more reviews. More recommendations—they're all there. So about implementing it, and this is somewhat a governance code and accountability framework, as Dr. Carl George likes to say, and to make sure that these things happen and they stick to their word. Yeah,
0: and I think it's really good that the organisations have some guidance on on how to apply it, because they might have best of intentions but not know necessarily how to apply it to their organisation. So I think that's really good. Is there any other advice you would give to organisations who would like to address the issue of racism?
1: I would say one of the first things to kind of get the ball rolling is acknowledgement. (laughs) I can't really say much more than that, but there needs to be acknowledgement because when you are able to start looking at what to do, rather than it being a tokenistic gesture of, okay, let's be compliant to something, it's more around let's acknowledge that something is happening find out the root cause within our own organization and you know if there is anything that can be done from within or is there something more that we can be doing externally whether it is for example supporting organizations that are doing anti-racism work whatever that may look like would be amplifying the work that they do and campaigning for the work that they do or if it's internal what kind of restructuring could be done do lower level employees actually get the same employee succession route that other um, employees do as well? So looking at what kind of things you can do internally, externally, it all starts with a place of acknowledgement and acceptance. And I think the other thing that I can say is talk to your colleagues. And not everyone that understands race and racism is from an ethnic community. You do have allies within our white community as well. So it's about looking at pulling information from all resources and support and people because it's a very complex issue and it can, you know, get jaded along the way. So something that I find really helpful is, yeah, understand that you're not the only person that would be able to drive this home. Find your tools, find your resources of support. There are loads of websites out there that provide mountains of information, There are organisations that provide services, they provide training, Uh, there's YouTube, like we're in a digital age where understanding or not understanding racism isn't really an excuse
0: anymore. I agree and and just from an outsider's point of view, I mean I I think the biggest issue with organisations is the culture change and the willingness to change and I think that's what you were saying about the acknowledgement is once they acknowledge it and have that willingness to change then they can change the culture within the organisation and yeah. actually apply the guidance that they put in place. Where can people find out more information? Is there any particular websites or organisations that provide the best information on this issue?
1: Yeah, so there's the Race Equality Matters website at com. They've got all the information about the network Race Equality Week, and they've got resources as well around how you can do safe spaces as well. There's websites that you can go to that are also linked to race equality matters, such as Dr. Carl George's website, Dr. Cole George's website, where you can find the race code. And their early adopters' websites as well, so they're actually sponsored by BT, Flair, The Collaboratory, there's loads of places where you can get information about Race Equality Matters Week, as well as what you can do to implement change beyond this week as well.
0: Great, thank you, Rihanna. And finally, I just want to I know you're an independent advocate and based in London, but I know you're doing a lot of work with In Power on this issue, so I didn't know whether you wanted to talk a bit about that and what you're doing on that side of things.
1: Yeah, sure. So, yeah, I work for a London service. And as we well know, London is one of the most diverse cities in the UK. So how that's kind of applying to the work that we're doing with the internal anti-racism group is we're looking at data. And this is something else that we probably should have touched on. But data is such an important thing because, again, this is where we've been able to get the information, all these different recommendations in order to know that something's not right here. When you're looking at data, what we're looking at for an organisation such as Power, because we are a charity and we are looking at changing the way that we collect and gather our data, we need to be very sensitive to how it's being used and distributed as well. So something that we have been involved in is the formation and reframing of the NDTI outcomes framework. So anyone that doesn't know what that is, it's basically a database of being able to collect, store and utilise diversity data in order to utilise it for the betterment of not only the organisation and the individuals that we work with, but creating social change and structural change within the political sphere as well. So an example would be, if we get the data from one client that shows that they identify as an ethnic minority and they've been supported with an issue around their disability, and their mail, for example, we know that we've captured three different pieces of data that will serve us on our diversity target setting. And also, when we are going out to source new business or to actually campaign for different initiatives to be put forward for, for example, ethnic minorities or other groups, or even groups that need to be identified as disabled, for example, we know that we can reach a broad range of individuals from the data that we're gathering through the NDTI framework. and Something that Race Equality Matters Week also kind of highlights is the the importance of data mining as well because it enables us to know what the makeup of the organisation actually is in order for us to make those progressive steps and actions anyway. So
0: how far do you feel power are on this journey to addressing this issue?
1: (laughs) I've been asked this question quite a few times progress that we've made has enabled us to open up the conversations and the doors to trustees and their eyes to our staff in regards to how far we are. We're very far from a jump off, but at the same time, we're not at the beginning. So, to answer your question, how far are we? We're on the journey, and we just need to make sure we can we can continue.
0: Thank you, Rihanna. That was really good. I uh, really enjoyed talking to you. So, thank you. <laughs>